Today on the show, we're talking about relationships and money. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. Thank you so much for being here with us today. My name is Courtney. I'm joined with Trevor. And today we're talking about relationships and money and more specifically romantic relationships. Yeah, romantic really, uh, we, did, we did an episode not uh, a ways back, I guess, on, on compatibility, uh, relationships in terms of compatibility and money. And we're taking sort of a, uh, this to another level and we're talking about more life partners in money. And I think it, it it really takes the aspect of money in relationships to another level. Oh, I agree. And I mean, I don't think you can ever do enough, uh, focus enough on the aspects of relationships and money because just as prominent as money is in our world, relationships are as well. And I, I think I think it could deserve a lot of attention. Well, we are social social creatures by nature as hum, human beings. And... We've created a, a very efficient society and we're using money to make most of our transactions. So, the, you know, if you think of us as social creatures and most people go through life at some point and have a life partner and we all use money, I mean, it, it's going to be an issue for everybody. So, Trevor, like you said, we we had an episode earlier about, I, I think it was a while ago, I want to say episode, it's in the 20s, somewhere in there, but we talked about why financial compali- compatibility is so important. But today we're really going to zone in on and maybe even debate just how large of an emphasis should be placed on financial compatibility when choosing a partner and, and really how all of that attributes to the success of a romantic relationship. Well, I want to say you're right in, in saying in choosing a partner and also working with a partner. You know, you, you you don't necessarily choose a partner based on money, but how you interact with your partner in with, with, with regards to money. No, I, I like that distinction, but... What you said there in that choosing a partner based on how they view money, that's something I really want to almost argue and and, and really sort out during this episode because I think that, and I will get your take on this during the whole episode, but I think there is, I think there's a lot of emphasis that should be placed on the importance of finding a partner who who really matches you financially. So we're going to get into that, and I want to hear everything you have to say about this. But before we jump into that, let's uh, let's lay down on the table some uh, our, the divorce rate statistic. So this is from Stats Canada, and they said about 38% of all marriages taking place in 2004 will have ended in divorce by 2035. So again, this is just one year Um and, and and kind of any any marriages that have happened in that year, but still, it's it's kind of alarming. That is very alarming. I I've never seen it sort of quoted that way was as to the end date of these marriages, but thirty eight percent that is that's astronomical. And it, it kind of makes us uh, wonder what's behind that. So we can further examine these divorce rates by uh, looking at the reasons for divorce. So I did a quick search on uh, on reasons for divorce and goldheartlaw.com, which is just a law firm in Canada, they cited the three top reasons for divorce. And not surprisingly, but number one is financial problems, followed by infidelity, and then third, followed by falling out of love. You know, all of, well, two of those have a, a trust element in them, I'm sure that's the underlying 
similarity between the first two. Definitely. And, and, but could falling out of love be related to the first two as well? I think maybe, you know, I don't want this to be a relationship podcast, but falling out of love could just be your values are no longer aligned, you know, in all aspects of your life or, or different aspects, maybe not specifically in money. Maybe, you know, you decide you don't want to have kids and, and that, that value kind of pulls people apart is an example. So I, I just want to lead off this episode just with a general question to you, and it's how big or significant of a role would you say that money plays in the success of a relationship? Well, because money t- touches almost all facets of our life, you know, in terms of your ability to raise children, go on vacations, buy houses, uh, all these life events, significant life events, uh, require money. And I mean, if you're not on the same page and these events start unfolding in your life, there's going to be problems. So I think it's pretty significant. Do you agree? I mean, we're talking about relationships and money today, but in general, just just to look at it, at the landscape in general, do you think it's talked about enough, the, the, the relationship between money and relationships, just in general? Well, you know, early on in a relationship, I know anyone early on in relationships I've been in, if anything, you're trying to put on a facade that, that money is never a problem. You know, you, you don't have any issues with money. You never want to look cheap or frugal in front of a, a, a person you've just met or even a group of people. And, and sometimes you'll, you'll spend money you don't have in, in an effort to just try to fit in. So, yeah, yeah, I do. But do you think it's talked enough about in, in more of a uh, – media sense in that it's talked about it's a a topic that's maybe discussed in in popular uh forms of media that we consume and and kind of and more destigmatized in that sense well i know friends and people i work with they'll tell me about their relate their you know very detailed relationship issues and i won't get into any details here but more information than i wanted to have but they will not open up about their personal finances at, at any level. You know, they, nobody wants to share that. But yet they'll, they'll share, you know, very, I'll call it disturbing details about the relationships that, you know, people just don't want to open up about money. It, it's in our society. It's, it's, it's a, it, it, we, we hold it in, in such a regard that it, it, we don't want to be judged about money. We'll, we'll, we'll be judged about other things, but, don't judge, don't judge me about money. And that seems to be a real taboo thing. I'd almost say it's viewed as a vulnerability or a weakness if you don't have full control. And, and if maybe your colleagues ever wouldn't, maybe they don't disclose to you why it's, it's it, their relationship may have money issues because it, no one wants to, to show that side of them. Well, I, I've had uh, coworkers, this is going back in previous uh, places I've worked. I, I did have one coworker who opened up to me about a substance abuse problem they had. And so a substance abuse problem, it, it could be, you know, interpreted as a weakness that person has. You know, they, they have a weakness to, I'll say, alcohol. And yet, yet they won't open up about maybe a weakness they have on, in managing money. It just, it, it doesn't make sense on the surface. I mean, they're both weaknesses or flaws in your in your makeup, yet you're, you're willing to share substance abuse and how it's impacting your relationship, but you won't talk about money. So you'd say that 
maybe out of that 38% we quoted earlier, that maybe given that the number one reason for divorce is financial problems, that there's a little bit of a correlation there that maybe isn't that's really a really good that's a really good point. You know, if people were to open up to, uh, you know, people who, who, who might be able to help them or, or give them advice about their money problems, you know, maybe they, they'd be able to deal with them before they get out of control. So you're right. If, if people are more open to discuss their, their money issues with, with friends and family, then maybe they could solve their marital issues that surrounding money before it becomes a problem. Or even, not even friends and family, but even if a couple goes see a, sees a, uh, a marital counselor and they start discussing all the other issues that are around money and they never even touch money, but they talk about the the other aspects of relationships and maybe don't realize that that could be the biggest problem and really fix the relationship. Like maybe we just don't put enough emphasis on that being the reason that relationships and partnerships deteriorate. But you know, the money, when, when, it, when the money becomes the problem, the, 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 the problem happened before that, you know, the money is just, you know, the money running out or, or you're running up credit and you can't meet your bills. That's the effect. The cause was your behavior leading up to that, you know, buying things you couldn't afford, maybe having too much house and too much car. Those behaviors led you to run out of money. And the, the money is really the effect of that bad behavior. I love that. I want to stop and unpack that for a second because I love how you identified that the the physical money problems, when the red flags go off, that's not actually the problem. If, if you were to fix that, that's more of a Band-Aid solution. I love the way you approach that. So you're saying that it all starts at our thought processes and in our behaviors. So it really becomes down to a, it's, it's as a couple in your relationship, you're, you know, you're saying you value uh, having a nice home and a nice car. Yet you, you know, one of you, if, if the relationship starts to fall apart because of money, one of you is not okay with a lot of debt. So, you know, the, the discussion, you both agreed you wanted a big house, but you didn't sort of discuss how you're going to pay for it. And I, it's never about the money. The money is, you know... If divorce ends in financial problems, the divorce really, the, the cause of these divorces is not financial. It's, it's goals, aspirations, and values that are not aligned. You mentioned discussing the maybe how you're going to pay for a home. Do you think then in that case that the little nuances about personal finance decisions are not discussed enough? Do you think there's just general painting of, of what matters, but you really need to get deeper into the nitty gritty aspects? You know, if I look back in my life with my wife, uh, we always took turns asking the question, you know, and how how are we going to pay for this? You know, what's our plan? And I, I was more focused on maybe the practical, like, like when it comes to cars, that's sort of my area. And I, I'm always focused on how am I going to pay for that car? Uh, when we were house shopping, you know, my wife had that front and center, you know, sh- she had the, uh, the, the mortgage payments calculated in, in the, the time it would take to pay it off. So we, we kind of took turns de- depending on, on the life event on who was sort of 
keeping track of how we're actually going to pay for this this decision we were making. So we worked well that way. And, and it, it wasn't like we planned it. It just, it evolved. As a couple starting out, or, or maybe even when you were younger, just due to your age, was it hard to really think forward like that and, and think about the repercussions of every action? And, and really, again, at the end of the day, how you would have to pay for it? My Me and my wife, we, we have a great distance distaste for debt and we always have we 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 see it as a burden and, and never you know never wanted to have any more of it than necessary so we were well aligned on that and our our decision making uh, was pretty well aligned because of that so moving on uh i found this great article and it, it, the title is a little bit alarming in itself which is why i clicked on it and actually brought it into this episode but it's called 13 things that are more important in a relationship than looks or money so we've kind of decided that money is pretty important so it's crazy that there's even 13 things that are more important than than maybe money well the article kind of trivial you know so looks is a very triv- trivial thing i mean Nobody should be judging people based on their appearance, but it kind of lumps money in with that and, and, and says it's kind of a trivial issue when really it's generally the underlying issue. I guess in this case, maybe the emphasis on money was the the amount of money one may possess. Maybe Maybe it came out that way. But I still think undermining money in in the presence of it in any way is just I don't think it's but you know positive. People make assumptions about how much money people have, you know. And and I've said this before: a nice car is not a display of wealth; it's a display of consumption of wealth. And so, if if you're trying to make a, an assessment of how much money somebody has and they're driving a really really nice car, an expensive car, when I see that, I say, you know, that. That's a consumption of wealth. I mean, that, that's money that person doesn't have to, to do things. You know, they, they've traded some freedom for that car. So it, it's funny that I, when I see people with very expensive things, I, I see the opposite. I don't see money. So I want to zero in on that. When we, when we are talking about the, the money one possesses, is there ever a time when it's important for your potential partner when you're looking for a potential partner to have maybe a certain amount of a job that provides a certain amount of income or at the end of the day to the amount of money a person has or or how financially well off that person is should it matter or does it really just matter about how they manage that money well you you know you're not going to show up to your date with your bank statements and 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 throw them on the table and then you know decide if this is going to work I think it comes down to values. You know, if your values are aligned, your life values, chances are you're you're aligned with money as well. You know, if if you're a somebody who really enjoys the finer things in life, then you probably want to be partnered up with somebody else who really enjoys the finer things in life. You know, they, and those things generally cost a lot of money. You'll make decisions accordingly. You know, to have somebody who really enjoys being frugal. Uh, matched up with somebody who enjoys uh, expensive wine and, and, and expensive restaurants, that that those values are not aligned. That relationship is probably not going to work. Let's use your relationship with your wife as an example. What was the case for you two? Were you two similar in that sense or a little bit different? Well, you know, if I go back a generation and look at my parents. So m- my parents, my father came from a family that 
I'll, I'll say they were pretty well off and they, they spent money like they were well off. They lived in fancy houses, drove fancy cars. And my mother came from a uh, immigrants from Europe who came to Canada with nothing and, and worked, you know, worked really hard and, and, and amassed a small fortune um, through, through being frugal. And so my parents get married and obviously they come from two backgrounds and it turns out they, um, they adopted my mother's parents' uh, approach to money and, and they were frugal and very financially responsible. And so they came from two backgrounds and my father obviously was very open-minded about how my mother was raised. I'm sure my, my, and my mother actually had some resentment about growing up in such a frugal lifestyle, but my father saw the benefits of that. So, so my mother actually came to the relationship wanting to be, maybe live a bit of more of a, a higher lifestyle. And my father, you know, he saw the downsides of, of that and, and the upsides of my mother's frugal upbringing. And they ended up going that way. So if you're open-minded enough, you, you'll see the opposite. You'll see the other side. And, and I like how your father was able to draw on, he was able to look at his life and see that there, again, there were different ways of being and different values he could adopt. Like, like he saw, having not grown up in a frugal home, by meeting his wife's parents, he saw the benefits of frugality that he didn't see as a kid growing up. And it takes a very open mind to see that. Because when, when you grow up in a house, say it's a frugal house, that's normal. That's not frugal. It's just normal, right? And you might see some of your friends, they live a different life. As you get older, you start to realize, okay, this isn't completely normal. You know, we're, we're kind of, you know, frugal. And you may not understand why, but I think if you have an open enough mind, when you get into a relationship, hopefully you take the best of both, right? And you, you, you mesh it together and, and you come up with your own formula. And that's what I think is beautiful about the ability to have perspective and, and look at things through a comparative eye and that you're able to, like you, like you said, you're able to pick what you, the attributes that you want to incorporate into your life with your, your partner. So I think, I think there's a, yeah, there's definitely a great, something great about being able to pull two people from different backgrounds together and, and, and bring the relationship a new perspective. You know, anybody I know who's been married for like, 30 or 40 years, 50 years even. I, I know some, I, I had a grandparents who were married for 60 years. And any of those long-term relationships, when if you know the people at any sort of close level, they're both very open-minded. You know, that, that's, that's kind of, what, kind of what, what makes it work. There's not this one dominant personality in the relationship. You know, those relationships, I'm not saying they don't always work, but... A lot of times they fall apart. You know, dominance can be your enemy in any relationship. I want to go back to how we were talking about the alarming divorce rate and how financial problems could be up there. But I do, I want to say that if you're, if, if the reason for divorce is, is financial reasons shouldn't finding a partner with a good financial outlook goals and perspectives above all else be our number one priority when seeking a partner oh absolutely but how do you broach the subject how do you how do you get to that topic without you know as soon as you start talking about money uh, everyone's defenses go up i mean 
it's very difficult to broach the subject early in a relationship. You know, it, it, it's almost like, uh, you, you know, it, you could be interpreted as you're moving too quickly or that's none of your business or why would that matter? You know, you know what I mean? Everyone puts up the defenses. So broaching the, the, the subject of money in, in an early stage of a relationship is near impossible. But at what point should you assess the relationship, see if, I mean, can a relationship work? Can you make a relationship work if you have opposing opposing financial views and, and different values pertaining to that? Because I, that's that seems pretty important. Well, the, you know, the best way to really find out who, who somebody really is is to be around that person in a crisis. So they could be having a crisis of any kind. It could be a relationship crisis. It could be a financial crisis. It could be a job-related crisis. Be around them in a crisis and see if they own their problems or if they try to deflect their problems onto somebody else. And if they're, if you're around them and they're deflecting their problems, as you know, and maybe even taking a victim mentality to their problems, that's that's a good sign that they're not owning their actions. It's hard to be around somebody in a crisis. You, you can't sort of put it on your calendar, right, and show up. But if you have the opportunity to be around somebody in a crisis, you'll know them at a whole new level. So you're saying the crisis doesn't even have to be financially related? No, it, any crisis. And, and just see if they own their problems. You know, it, it, you know just if, if they're having a relationship crisis with somebody in their family and they're, they're saying, this person makes my life miserable, you know, and, 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 or, or if they're saying you know, boy, I really put myself in a bad spot there. You know, those are two sort of things you could say, right, about a, a relationship crisis. One is owning it and one is, is victim mentality or deflection. So it's, it, it, you, you get to know a lot about somebody in a crisis. But taking it back to the things that you can see, so when you are getting to know someone, when you are first dating them, and, and maybe you're a year into the relationship, if that person views saving and spending differently than you, are you to assume that that person can change, or or should you take how they work, how they how they view money at its face value? Well, you should never go into a relationship trying to hoping somebody will change. You know, you should go. You, you want to be in a relationship with, with somebody who's open to change. You, if you go into it hoping to change somebody and particularly around finances and how they spend their money, that, that generally doesn't go well. You, you're looking for somebody who's open to change. So you can... The only way you really know how much money, how, how people spend their money is, is when you... When your money is one. You know, your, 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 your money's combined. Because you have no idea if somebody's spending on credit or if they're spending on savings. Or, or if they're just spending ch- paycheck to paycheck, you have no idea. You know, you can speculate and guess, but it, it, it's really just a guessing game until you've combined your finances. I'm glad you brought that up because in doing research, preparing for, for this episode, I came across an article that discussed mixing two partners' money and, and building a joint, a joint bank account together. And that's when it really hit me, the, the heaviness and, and realness and, and scariness of mixing two people's money together to create this one bank account. And, and it just, it was a little bit alarming about how 
you're you're putting you're putting something that's so important to you because society says money is important to us. It makes our world go round, and you're placing this amount huge amount of trust in another person, and it just seems it just seems a little bit alarming. It's something that should not be taken lightly. Well, when you find somebody that you you want to spend the rest of your life with, and just say you get married, you care about that person at a level that you probably don't care about anybody else in the world as much. So until you meet that person and you've made that commitment, it does sound crazy to just share your money. You know, it doesn't make sense uh, from somebody on the outside looking in. So it, I, I get where you're coming from, but once you've met that person and you've made that commitment, it, the, the, combining your money just seems, uh, you know, obvious. I just, I just want to go over the point at which you are convinced, entirely convinced, and maybe you can use your relationship with your wife as an example, when you know, you absolutely know that despite the differences in one another's maybe spending and saving styles and, and which way one another leans, and just like your parents, they kind of complemented each other. But at what point can you say to yourself, this is going to work, combining our money, making this a giant step together is the right decision? You know, I don't know that there's an answer to that question. It's when you have feelings for somebody and you, you care deeply about somebody, combining your money seems trivial. It's not something you you sort of reach that plateau. I mean, it's sort of a, a fallout. It's the after effect of, of, of having a committed relationship. It's really not, you know, building up trust to that point. No, that's, that's a good point. And, and you would say then that, the the trusting finances would just be like the tr- another another level or another aspect of the trust that you would give that person for all other areas and aspects of that relationship then like if you're in a, a dedicated romantic relationship with somebody else you're trusting that person on all sorts of levels right not just financial so it's it really it's sort of all-encompassing it's not just you know pick and play the pieces you want I do have another question related to the joining of bank accounts. And it's kind of the opposite in that you spend a huge chunk of your former years managing a bank account and your own finances by yourself and and really calling all the shots, making all the decisions. So for you personally, how what was the process of making those decisions together when you're maybe so used to kind of micromanaging and doing it all by yourself? Well, it really it's really about open mindedness. So I may, I may have had an approach to personal finance and my wife had her own approach to personal finance and we combined our two approaches and come up with a hybrid system that, that turned out worked really well. Now I'm a natural saver and she, my wife is a natural, I'm sorry, I'm a natural spender. My wife's a natural saver. It didn't mean I was irresponsible with money. I just, you know, looked at, you know, what could I buy next? And my wife said, whoa, how much can I save next? You know, that's just sort of our, where our, our minds drifted. And I think we complement each other that way, the, the fact that we're one of each. But we, we had our own approaches, but we, we brought it together and it, it, it combined. It worked quite well. So I want to I wanna move on and bring in this interesting concept described by Vered Delu from moneyning.com in the article entitled, Is Financial Compatibility Important When Choosing a Life Partner? And... It was I mentioned this concept of a financial belief system, and 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 that made me think of how important your core belief system is. So, what do you think of the concept of financial belief system? And it, it, I, I, does it resonate with you? 
you know, I, I think it goes back to the, the underlying values, things you value in life. And if you value, if you value material possessions, so long you both value material possessions, everything's great. If one of you values experiences and the other values material possessions, that's probably not going to end well. So I think, again, I, like I said earlier, money is just the fallout of, of um, uh, values that are not aligned. So you're saying that a financial belief system and a core belief system are, are one in the same. Yeah, because it's, it's the behaviors you, you it's your day-to-day behavior with, with how you use money. That's the problem. It's not the money itself. Like nobody's out spending money; they're actually out buying things. Like they're 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 there's something they value, and they're exchanging their money for it. So it's it's never the money; it's the underlying purchase that that's always the issue. No, no, that's that's a really good point. It, it, it's what that money is being spent on or not spent on that really does matter. And, and if if the the people in the relationship don't value that same thing equally, or or, or you know one considers it extremely value and one considers it extremely worthless. Like for instance, on a very small scale, I have a, a huge appetite for electronic gadgets and my wife, she can't stand electronic gadgets. You know, they're they're They just make her life more complicated. And the fewer of those that she has, the better for me. I have a formula. It's N plus one N being the current number of electronic gadgets I have. I always need one more. Now, I do bounce off my wife, you know, am I crazy to buy this? And, you know, I use her as a, as a sounding board sometimes, you, you know, so that's on an extremely small scale. So with that example right there, And how... those things are not going to financially ruin you. Like, I mean, and I happen to have a lot of self-restraint when it comes to those things. I mean, I, I never have the latest gadget. But then at the same time, is she tolerant, tolerant and considerate to your your gadgets, uh, your pull of the gadgets in, in the same way that you may be tolerant to her wanting to maybe save a little bit more because that's innate in her nature. Well, here's an example. Is she was against having an iPhone because it was a gadget that would, and she viewed it as something that would just complicate her life. And I finally convinced her that she should have one. And it turns out she loved it. So she was against it, but very open-minded, right? And I was able to convince her to get one. And I, then and now I might say, well, you know, I need a, a new iPad, for instance. And she, she might say, you know, this iPad seems to be working quite well. You know, what's wrong with this one? And, and she doesn't say it in a derogatory sense. She just wants to, she's curious. She, you know, she's very clever this way. She'll say, oh, what's changed on the new iPad? You know, what new features does it have? And she sounds very interested and enthusiastic. And so I'll start trying to list all the things that changed. And, and as I say them out loud, they sound so insignificant that I convinced myself by the end of the conversation that I guess I don't really need an iPad. But she's she does it in a very uh, open-minded and and positive manner that I, I, I talk myself out of it with, with her assistance. So it, it really does seem like you're, you and your wife have each other's back. And because your goals and values are aligned, you're able to really be, be empathetic towards one another and, and really be on the same page. Well, well, here's another good example. So me and my wife, we each get an allowance, you know, so we, we, we each get a, a small allowance to, and it's mad money. It's money we can spend guilt-free on whatever we want. 
We don't have to answer anybody. And it's not a huge sum of money. It's just a little bit. And and the idea is that you, you can just spend this on whatever you want and nobody can question, you know, what you did with it. And and whenever I want to go buy something, I, I, I always end up saying to my wife, I say, do you think I need this? You know, even though it was intended not for that purpose, right? I still, I know of all the people in the world who would have my best interest at heart on how I should spend this money, it'd be my wife. So I ask her, even though the money is designed just for the opposite, and then she'll ask me about certain things. Do you think I, you know, need this? Or do you think I have enough of these or whatever? And so we we, we bounce it off each other because we know each of us has each other's best interest at heart. And, and, I, and I love that, the fact that you have these two independent uh, savings accounts, but, or, or checking a scratch. And I love the fact that you have your own separate accounts that isn't the joint account. You can do whatever you want with. But again, like you said, you're still on the same page. I, I do want to zero back in on the, you know, your... I, I want to say one other thing. I, I remember reading this statistic, and this was in the United States. And I think it was on Dave Ramsey's website. And it was like 56% of married couples would spend over $1,000 without consulting their spouse. I read this too. I read that exact same quote. And I thought $1,000. So I mentioned that because the amount of money we get for our allowance is is very small and very insignificant in the whole scheme of things. Yet I still, you know, bounce it off my wife, you know, what he thinks is a good idea. But I couldn't imagine spending $1,000 on any one thing without consulting somebody who who has some vested interest in my well-being. It's just an alarming number. But like I think it goes back to the whole philosophy, like you said, philosophy of of the fact that you're even spending any money without consulting the person who you you, you spend your life with. Like I, I think that just really fosters this uh, environment for secrets and that's that's just not healthy. No. And you really have to, you have to believe your life partner is has your best interest at heart you know, you you can go to that person over anybody in the whole world. Your life partner is looking out for you more than anybody. You know, you have to believe that. And and would you say that out of all the all the things that go into making a relationship and money work, would you say that's the one key piece that really makes it work? Yeah, that's the foundation of the trust, right? And and you 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 do things. When you start doing things in secret or behind people's backs, you break that trust, right? So if you're spending money and not, you know, not consulting your 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 life partner, and 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 it's particularly if you're spending money that, that maybe is is sort of uh, joint money, uh, that that that's just got trouble written all over it. And I feel like that builds resentment and and kind of in anger and that just kind of simmers below the surface too, ready to erupt. Trevor, before we really end this episode, I have one final question for you. And it's from Verd's article, Is Financial Compatibility Important When Choosing a Life Partner? And, And the one question I wanted to ask you was, if you can't bridge the gap between making it work, should you still get married? Well, like I said, I said earlier, you can't go into any relationship hoping to change somebody. You, you can go into a relationship with somebody who's very open-minded and open to change, 
But if you're hoping to change that person, you're going to be very disappointed. Absolutely well said. And I, I really enjoyed this episode. I think it was a long overdue one where we, we, we get back to the importance of romantic relationships and relationships and, and how money really intertwines with it all. So we have a couple more relationship episodes uh, that we're hoping to record in the future. And if there's anything you want to focus on and hear and hear about and have a conversation with us about relating to relationships and money, send us an email and let us know. Uh, we, of course, we always like to cover what you want to hear. So Trevor, that's it. Uh, and thank you to our listeners for joining us this week. We will see you right back here next week with a new episode. Until next week, keep it simple. 